the seventh day of Star Wars, George Lucas gave to me seven edit shooting, six Tusken Raiders, five Death Star plans, four heisting crews, three dismembered limbs, two awkward dialogues, and a really shitty prequel movie. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of our 12 Days of Star Wars Christmas special. And no, it's no longer Christmas, but I'm doing my best here, folks. <laughs> Anyways, we had a small mishap with Isaiah being missing, and then uh, I got a lot of work piled up, so I'm a little bit slow on the editing, but I'm getting them out as fast as I can. Anyways, welcome to episode 7, where today I'll be going over Empire Strikes Back. Which happens to be the fan favorite of many people out there and for good reason as well. Anyways, thank you so much for your patience and for listening in. And without further ado, here's episode 7, Empire Strikes Back. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 7 of our 12 days of Star Wars Christmas special. Today we're going to be covering uh, probably the most critically acclaimed uh, movie of the of all of Star Wars, I would assume. Empire Strikes Back. Let's get into it, Barry. Why don't you take us away? This movie is so good. Yeah. Um, I've like coming back to it is a real treat. I love just about all of it. This is the first movie that George Lucas did not write and direct. Very critically. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to remember this point because I feel like a lot of people forgot that George Lucas did not write and direct all all three of the original trilogy, and I think I think it really benefited from it. Sorry, George. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, George. Like I think he has good ideas, and he's better off as like a producer figure than an actual hands-on involved in the nitty-gritty. Absolutely, I think he's yeah. really good at business. He's really good at the business side, and he's really good at, like, yeah, like, basic creative ideas. Like, yeah. send him to a cloud city, that'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Kids will love that, we can make some more toys. <laughs> Sound like that dude from Red Letter Media, you know, the character they play. Because yeah, it's kind of based off George Lucas. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna cut off there. We'll get into more stuff later. But um, I love this film. Uh, I could recommend it to almost everyone. It's it's a a little bit violent for the young ones, for the younglings. <laughs> yeah, oh, not the younglings. A little bit violent for the younglings, but otherwise it's it's a it's a great film, and it re it actually holds up very well after coming back to it many years later. How about you, Sam? Yeah, me too. Uh. I think it's pretty much the same with everyone who's watched this when they were young. They probably thought that Empire Strikes Back was really boring. But looking back at it now, it's so good. Everything about it is excellent. The visuals are better. Don't really care about that, but it's more about the characters. It's, uh, it's Luke's journey into developing into uh, a leader. Everything is <laughs> it's so good. The dialogue, the acting... The thematic elements, like the fight between Luke and himself in, in Dagobah, like that's mind blowing. They like a lot of movies try to copy that, and the newer Star Wars tried to reference that scene, and they kind of lost the main reason why it was so impactful because Luke was struggling as a, as a leader. Like, one thing I appreciate that the newer trilogy doesn't do, and the, the prequels didn't do as well because there's like a 10 year time skip is that it kind of leads off directly off of the events of New Hope. So at the end of New Hope, you know, they destroyed a Death Star. So what happens? Uh, Luke is not a young farmer boy anymore. He's a commander. He's a leader in the rebellion. Han Solo is not really the scoundrel, the smuggler figure. Uh, he's still an uh, anti-hero a little bit, but he's more of a, a respectable figure now. The rebellion kind of has its act going together a little bit more. They seem more consolidated. And Luke is way more confident, but he still has some weaknesses. He's still very vulnerable. He's still afraid. He's reckless, <laughs> you know, yearning for adventure, all of these things. So 
you see that Luke isn't perfect yet. All these characters are developing. They're in the in the process of developing. And you see uh, Han and Leia's relationship blooming and blossoming as well. And it's more real than the prequel nonsense, right, Barry? <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like they're real people that have like yeah. emotions and stuff. <laughs> I know. It's passive-aggressive. It's awkward. It's flirty. There's a lot of misunderstandings. They're in denial of their feelings. It's, it's, so, it's real. It's real. I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful story. There's not very much action. Most of it is just people sitting there and talking. And it's not A camera, B camera nonsense. It's more like actual people talking because that's what happens. There's not chase sequences, explosions, and fights every single moment. It, it doesn't happen like that. It, it's, there's a, there are high highs, but the rest of life is just this calm middle ground. It's mostly boring stuff happening. But yeah, also side note. This is a scene where Han and Leia are arguing, and then Leia goes, oh, it looks like you don't know much about women, and then kisses Luke. Just plants one on Luke. Yeah, yeah. and then Luke <laughs> sits back like he coughs something with his arms behind his head, and I was going, no, Leia, no, that's your brother. Luke's like, fucking score. Yeah. <laughs> score. I was like, Luke, no, that's your sister, <laughs> no. The best part um, is, and I, for- I kind of forgot about this, but yeah. it was like, it's a really great scene because both Han and Leia are being really petty. Yeah, they're being so petty. It's, it's real. It's like such a petty kiss, and it's great because you're like, hey, these are, these are real characters. They've got these, flaws. Yeah. They're not like, it's not weird, stilted dialogue. Love has blinded me. <laughs> <laughs> no, ew. I'm dying a little bit every day since you came back. <laughs> I'm not afraid to die. And the great thing is like you see these characters develop that's the most important thing and that's kind of something i don't see in the newer trilogy at all almost either they're extremely powerful or they're extremely stupid and then jj abrams just writes them off cough rose cough (laughs) i mean like last jedi gave lots of people some great arcs oh yes i actually agree with you there most people kind of hate on that movie but I think it's because there's a difference between hating the direction the characters are going versus saying that the characters are poorly written. And in The Last Jedi, if you get rid of the nonsense that movie has, there's some actual real development that you kind of see there, the struggle for uh, Kylo to be good. It's more pronounced in Last Jedi than any, anything else. Even in Rise of Skywalker, it's more pronounced there. Uh, the struggle with, that Rey has with finding a meaning you know, wanting desperately to have parents and just trying to find parents in everyone. She <laughs> stumbles across like Han or Luke. She's adopting like a little dads. puppy. Like, are yeah. you my dad? Are you no, my dad? Are yeah. you my dad? <laughs> and like, they're fighting with each other trying to, okay, I don't want to go into it. Cause I want to see it for last Jedi. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it later, but, but like you're, you're absolutely right there. And there's not enough nuance and subtlety, even in last Jedi. it's more so than in force awakens and, Rise of Skywalker, but like compared to something like Empire Strikes Back, I think you can see why this movie is so highly acclaimed. It's just too much. <laughs> it's too much good stuff going in here. It's a masterpiece. I honestly don't know how this movie came to be. It came to be, if you'd like me to go into it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so after Star Wars, Star Wars was like the most successful movie of ever, ever. It made so much money. And then the studios are like, yes, give us more, <laughs> more money, more money. So Luke is like, well, I've got these scripts. I've got sitting script treatments. I've got shit sitting on the shelf. All I need is a shit ton of money. They're like, okay, okay, fine. Have money. But he's like, but I want complete creative control over everything. And they're like, no, don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was Lucas in a remarkable moment of foresight said, I will pay for the movies. I will give you the distribution rights. I will own everything else. I have wow, complete okay. creative control. So he funded it himself. He personally funded Empire Strikes Back. Respect. Um, he borrowed, I think, $25 million from the bank, basically uh, guaranteeing it against you know, the success of Star Wars. And the banks are like, eh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like money. I'm in. They're like, cautiously, okay. So he gets the money, and he begins building Skywalker Ranch with it, essentially, which is which became the base 
of operations for like uh, ILM. They moved all the ILM guys over there, and the ILM guys are like, thank God we're not in a fucking garage anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the actual studio space. Lucasfilm was there. Later on, THX was there. That's a little bit later, though. Lucas basically envisioned it as like this giant facility where his, him and his friends, like Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Spielberg, and all those guys could just go like make movies and not get interfered with by like idiot studios that didn't know what they were doing, essentially. And it's kind of genius. It really, it really worked out great. And today, ILM is like the best. They are the best effects uh, studio, like you know, house in the world by far. They're so good at it. Lucasfilm, obviously, great. And THX, uh, I don't know what ended up happening happening to THX, but it was really revolutionary sound design for a very long time. And they revolutionized like several editing techniques and stuff like that. Uh, mm at the Skywalker Ranch, but basically, he took all that money, uh, used most of it to fund uh, this film, and started like the Skywalker Ranch, and all this stuff is happening, and Lucas is like, uh, well, I'm not gonna have time to do this and uh, direct the movie, so I'll just hire somebody to direct it for me. <laughs> uh, nice. So he brought in the director for this movie, which was, uh, I'll look this up later, <laughs> great director, and also the writer Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote for Empire, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens. Mm, okay. He did the script, uh, initial screenplay for The Force Awakens, which is probably, like, the best payday of his life. They're like, oh, write a new Star Wars movie. Like, okay, what do you want it to be about? Just make it a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you mean so copy I'll and paste? bring up the script and yeah. then copy and paste, change some, change some control here. F. Yeah. Uh, change Luke to Ray. All right, send her out. <laughs> Done so. <laughs> By the way, Disney ion cannons are not the things that you think they are. <laughs> this is the first time we see them used in the, in the films in Empire. Oh, it's part of canon now. They're used everywhere. Yeah, in, I guess in they're the just universe. guns. They're uh, guns that destroy shielding if people are wondering, and then disable ships. Yeah, it's like a big EMP blast type yeah. thing. And they were using it to escape Hoth, basically. But yeah, that's that's why he's not writer-director for this film, because he was too busy building Skywalker Ranch, getting like funding for the movie, doing all producer stuff. That's just that's what producers do. Secure he funding. Did, like, I think people give bad rap for George Lucas too frequently, but like he's talented, just not in everything, you know? Like, he's impossibly talented at everything, but... What he did production-wise and, like, big picture-wise, I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. He's a genius. Yeah. ILM is huge. People don't understand. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this shot with the AT-ATs, only the three in the front, they only had three models. The, the three in the back are matte paintings. Matte paintings? Wow, I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> and, looks and the reason the perspective is the way it is, it's very cinematic, but it's also to hide their feet because those were the anchor points for the stop motion. Ah, uh, Okay. That's interesting. The AT-AT set was built, uh, it's built like on a table, and there are these little little hatches that pop open so that the uh, uh, stop motion guys can reach, basically reach in and manipulate the AT-ATs. <laughs> Just build a big enough set and have someone crawl inside and, and use <laughs> like tiny levers to move it. Yeah, I mean, they did, they did really creative stuff building they like... Did. Part of the reason why Empire is so great and visually appealing is they had a lot more money to work with. Yeah. So you can see they had a lot more like sets, a lot more plants they could go to. They could afford stunt <laughs> stunt guys <laughs> instead of the stunt guy. So they could do more action. Everything that was great in A New Hope, but like we can have more of it because we have some yep. more money. But not enough money to do dumb shit, <laughs> but more money. <laughs> Yeah, that also that reminds me in that beginning scene, uh, I forget what the guy was who was sitting in the back, but he died, and he's just hanging in the back there for, like, an entire scene, and then he gets crushed at the very end. Yeah, it's like, poor dude. <laughs> he just dies a miserable death. He's already uh, dead, but... His name was Dax. 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 Oh, yeah, Dax, yeah. I only remember because his name was a cheat code in the video uh, game. Oh, yeah. Wait, which one? Empress Strikes Back? Uh, I don't, I don't remember which, which one it was, but you got to like fly speeders. There was a cheat called Dead Dax and it did something. 
Rest in peace. You'll live on forever as a cheat code, though. Ripping pepperoni. Yeah. Also, I, I wanted to add a side note, too, as well. I think, yeah, the executives, I mean, it's kind of a shame that Lucas turned into the executive that he hated a little bit. Yeah, he um, became everything. Yeah, he everything swore, he, yeah. He became the evil. He swore to defeat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it just came full circle. You were supposed to be the chosen yeah, one. Yeah, you're George. supposed to be the chosen one. You're like a brother to... Anyways. <laughs> there was an executive, there's a note that's pretty funny where Mark Hamill was remembering, was just reading over someone's shoulder and the executive was saying, can we get some pants on Chewbacca? And I was like, what? Who, who wrote this note? Why would you put pants on the Wookiee? That's stupid. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that was like for the original Star Wars, the Star yeah. Wars, uh, where they like had no idea what they were going to receive. Because... Star Wars was really unique when it came out, and nobody yeah. was really sure what they were getting until like everything was real until the final assembly of the film. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not the final assembly until like a rough assembly. But like uh-huh. when they were getting stories and like early shots from the set, they're like, "What is this?" <laughs> I put some pants on that. Imagine guy. it's 1970s. You're probably high on four different drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's you're like right. disco and. Uh, like the, the the only real the sci-fi before this was Space Odyssey. So that's when a Space Odyssey had come out before this. Mm, okay. Oh, uh, I don't remember what else. Did Blade Runner come out before this? No, I don't think so. But it was like 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 2001 Space Odyssey, right? It was like really serious. Yeah. Really slow, really atmospheric, and then this shit comes out, and there's like a gay robot, and they're like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> what uh. is this?" But yeah, no, nobody had faith in that film. Uh, George Lucas screened them like an early, like the raw construction of the film to his friends, like Spielberg, Coppola, those guys. And they're like, oh God, George. <laughs> <laughs> and then he screened it for the executives and they're like, hey, this is awesome. And Lucas is like, I'm so confused. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was considered a terrible movie and now it's one of the, the best Westerns out there to watch. Just people don't know at the very beginning. I think time will tell. Yeah, time time will be... Yeah. I'm very interested to see how time treats the sequel trilogy. Uh, I already know. I already know what's going to happen. People are going to think it's great. There's already a generation of people, of kids, who've only watched the prequels, and they think it's the best thing ever. Yeah, so, uh, like, yeah. but the lightsaber fights were exciting. <laughs> 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 like, it's not about the battles, guys. It's not yeah, about I'm like, the battles. Son, I'm not even mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I'm just disappointed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, this movie t- really takes its time. It really takes its it time. It does. Which I, which I, as an old crotchety man, I appreciate it. I also really appreciated the, like, the visuals of that Hoth fight are so great. Like, just all the rebels lined up in the trenches that Ryan Johnson totally did not steal at all in any way. Yeah. I mean, I got handed to The Last Jedi. That scene did look nice, though. The the red, what is it? I don't know what it is underneath the salt. It looked fantastic. It's salt and different salt. It's all in different salt. I loved how the guy picked up the snow and ate it, and it's like, oh, it's salt. Just to be like, hey, wink, wink, it's not snow, guys. Totally not. Rampire <laughs> Strikes Back. Yeah, I, I loved it, and also, I'm like, I didn't even mind that. My first thought was, if I were on a random alien planet, I would not be picking up dirt to taste it. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I'd be like, is this poison? You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Is there parasites in there? With, you don't you know. Feel, you can be filled with flesh-eating bacteria. You don't yeah. know that. It's just to show that it's not snow, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We can get anyway. into that later. <laughs> anyway. People have criticized the AT-ATs and, like, this whole sequence. Like, AT-ATs are dumb. Why don't they just send spaceships to blow up the generator? It's like, first of all, it's a movie. <laughs> and, yeah, you could send in a bunch of TIE fighters, like, whatever. But it looks cooler, and AT-ATs are awesome. It yeah. really doesn't matter that much. Also, um, it's just there to create the the feeling of tension and the feeling of struggle again the actual fights are not that important for the original trilogy they represent struggle between two different sides or two different ideals and that's the important thing 
and I really like how they don't spend a lot of time on the technical details. I don't know where Star Wars got last. I think it's all the fans who want to be technically correct. All the fans that fans that want this to be a science fiction movie. Yeah. And it's a science fantasy movie. Yeah, they're the worst. Those those kind of fans are the worst. It's about a farm boy that goes into a giant moon-sized space station to save a princess with his space wizard friend. Yeah. And they have space swords. <laughs> yeah, and they have space laser magic swords. laser swords. Yeah. And it, like, yeah, you could try to like, oh, but the the Millennium Falcon is a YT-1000 Corellian cruiser, and it has like a bypassed hyperdrive that gives it extra power. And you're like, yeah, okay. No, yeah, yeah, it's, no. I appreciate that. I mean, because I've, I've looked this stuff up too, because it's kind of fun to read about. But don't don't take all all of that stuff and try to apply it to the films, because it's never yeah. going to... It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't does not work. work. There's too much dumb Star Wars shit in Star Wars. Yeah, and that, that's not the point it. of the movies, guys. It's not. Yeah, like, I really like uh, how they're like, oh, there's an energy shield that will block all bombardment. And that was it. That was the line. They don't go into how it functions, how it works. They're just like, there's, there's an obstacle to us destroying the base. So what do we do? We need to go destroy the shield generators. And they don't explain we anything. We need to send half our cast onto this jungle planet to get rid of them. Because <laughs> only Luke has an arc in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, you know, like so all I'm sad. saying is like, these guys, the they worst. don't explain anything. They're just like, this is the obstacle. This, this will prevent us from doing this. And then they move on. That was it. They do this in editing as well in the very beginning when... You know, Luke is stuck in the cold, and he got stuck in the uh, the what are those called again? Panthers? Uh, Tauntaun. Tauntauns. There we go. Panthers are in uh, Tatooine. I I'm getting old to the point where I'm forgetting names. But... Getting a little bit senile there. Yeah. And like, uh, there's a scene where they find him, right? And they just simply swipe. They just swipe. They just show like a second clip of the speeder coming back to base. They swipe. They go into the hangar bay. They swipe, and then Luke is in the back to tank. And then that's that's what they do. They don't sit there and tell you, oh, we got to bring them back. We got to put him in this thingy that heals him, blah, blah, blah. It's just visual storytelling. Yeah, I mean, the scene, it, it was fine. It was it was very, very well done. Uh, the, the reason that scene is in the movie is because Mark Hamill had a very serious car accident right before the filming of, oh, uh, really? of Empire Strikes Back. Is that, really- so he was actually beat up for real? Yeah, he was like actually kind of messed up, which wow. and he looked very. If you look underneath the makeup and everything, he looks really different from what he did in the in the New Hope. Yeah, he does. He, he messed up so... his face. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and that's why that's why that scene was there. So they, that's that's neat. why his face is covered until he gets messed up. So you can't see it, and then he gets punched by the giant dude. You're like, no, the, Luke, the yeti. The yeti. <laughs> You're like, no, look, no. you were so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, oh, that's, that's why that scene's there. Yeah, yeah but like I, they don't spend any time explaining unnecessary details, kind of like they yeah. do in the newer trilogy, where they feel like they have to explain everything. They have, to look, like. they have to look at the camera. And yeah, they have literally look at the camera. Cap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about Rise of Skywalker. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Empire Strikes Back. It flows pretty well. After. Like the whole middle section, like they just take so much time to slow it down and let you really live with the characters for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. They let they let they let everything breathe. Like there's you can rest and like take everything in. Just kinda decompress. Oh yeah. This asteroid sequence. Ladies and gentlemen, an asteroid field does not look like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like this enormous cluster of killer asteroids flying everywhere. It's it's pretty sparse. It's it's still definitely dangerous to fly through with a ship, because like a pebble can go through can go through your space vessel. It's like a vessel. bullet. Yeah. No, it's like like a thousand times faster than a bullet. There's there's <laughs> nothing stopping it. So if it's accelerating, it'll just keep going faster and faster until it's max yeah. velocity. I mean, if you're if you're going at space travel speeds, then you're you're fucking cooking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, this this sequence is amazing because it was so comically expensive to film. Um, every single one of the asteroids is a different blue screen element that they had wow. to be filmed individually, and they had like they did the same technique as with the ships. They would film. Uh, first of all, asteroids apparently were very non-trivial to make. 
Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, inventing all these different shapes for rocks, and they literally use potatoes for some of them. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's like, yeah, we kind of gave up towards the end. We just use some potatoes for the ones that are far <laughs> in the background. Like, whatever, they're not going to notice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they would they would film like an asteroid spinning around. They film it like flying across the screen, and then like every single one had to be masked. Like the shots from inside the Millennium Falcon, they had to blue screen mask out like everything in front of it, and then have to do like individual passes, every individual exposures for every single asteroid element. Wow. So, yeah. So those shots where they're like flying through the field, it's like hundreds of exposures <laughs> for every single frame. That's that's incredible. <laughs> And you're like, wow, they, some miserable intern must have been in charge of doing this stuff. <laughs> looks great, though. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. And, like, the uh, the shadows that they're casting on the asteroid are hand-drawn. So it's, like, wow. all the, like, little, some of the explosion stuff and lightning is all hand-drawn. Because they couldn't really do, like, you can't create that, you know. It's Incredible. Not, it's not casting shadow on anything. It's just, it's a plate. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very dedicated work by extremely talented artists. And, and then you go into, like, the Dagobah sequence, which everyone... It's like all of the Force lore comes from, like, like 15 minutes of film right here. I love it. It's so good. All, everything that everyone holds as absolute gospel comes in, like, like a 15-minute chunk of this movie. It's so simple. That's why it's great. Like, it's not... The force isn't the important thing. It's more like the struggle between good and bad. And I wanted to go over that. I'm glad you hit that because... Uh, let me go find it in the notes real quick. One of the things I didn't like about Empire is how Luke just smashes his X-Wing into the planet. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. But it, it was a little bit contrived to get him stuck on the planet. Um, oh, I'm okay with it. It was yeah, foggy. I'm it was fine foggy. With it. Yeah. I mean, you should be able to fly with instrumentation. Even a 747 can fly through fog. <laughs> it's an X wing. It was it was force fog. All right. It was it was messing with him. I mean, I guess in light of force. recent, I guess in light of recent movies, Starship guidance systems are dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't know. It's one of it's one of my nitpicks about this movie. Mm, makes sense. But yeah, uh, I really liked it because basically the force is just energy created by living things and it surrounds every, everything and binds it. It's simple. It's just this mystical energy. And also like the dark side, it's, it's simply just anger, fear, and aggression. That's how Yoda sums it up. All these negative feelings. The dark side isn't mystical or magical. It's just quicker, easier, and more seductive, which makes sense. Like everyone is tempted in this way to cut corners, to to do the wrong thing, to get something faster. Like people know what it feels like to give in to anger and fear and aggression, and and there's a there's a thrill to it, and it is seductive, but it doesn't end well. There's always consequences, and this is something that's relatable to almost every human being who has a conscience. <laughs> like it. <laughs> It, it makes sense. Like, if you're not a psychopath, like, it makes sense and it's relatable. And the force isn't something important. Uh, the dark side isn't important. It's just this general struggle between good and evil that, that Luke is experiencing right now. His, his struggle to go beyond being a farm boy, being reckless, impatient, judging things by appearance, which again is something Obi Wan said in New Hope. It's, it's still referred to here where. He judges Yoda by his appearance in the very beginning where he's looking for this great warrior and he sees a little green guy and he's like, oh, this can't be him. <laughs> he's just like scrounging around his camp, stealing his lantern. as I like, give that back. <laughs> and it's, it's so good. And that's why I really like this because all of a sudden in the prequels, they make it this dogma and this religion and this all these rules where it's like fear leads to uh, anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, and all of this, and it was so much simpler, because it wasn't important. You got midichlorians and all of this coming in, and they're putting in details and lore to stuff that wasn't important to begin with, and I think that's where the prequels kind of got lost, and, and the newer trilogy gets lost as well. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but... Yeah, to an extent. I mean, Star Wars is always about 
the most basic story. It's good versus yeah. evil, you know. And you can play around with that a little bit. You'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe this dark side, light side stuff is a little bit nonsense, or maybe Jedi and Sith are nonsense. It's an interesting idea. It's something that you can definitely expand on. I think that what the prequels really got wrong is instead of focusing on like the mystical, interesting parts of like the whole Jedi religion, they they mm-hmm. spent too much time on the dumb parts. Ah, yes, like the like younglings kids, training, like the younglings <laughs> training with yeah. the stupid remotes, and just oh, they don't even show you very much of it. Yeah, because they they skip ten years. All of Anakin's training they skip. That could have been interesting, you know. And you're just left to kind of fill in this massive chunk of what theoretically should be lore. Um, yeah, I mean they show you quite a bit more and like you know extended universe stuff, Clone Wars, whatever. But that that should not count towards the movies. That is distinctly no. unfair. Yeah. I don't. You shouldn't have to watch forty hours of other content to get the movies to make a little bit more sense that's ridiculous yeah that is they they should be able to stand on their own and yeah empire they spend they spend a little bit of time but everything is really really simple it's straightforward easy to understand there's no there's not a lot of nonsense and it's it's all it's all it all works because you know, there, there's like the visual thing, like Yoda's this little midget guy. Yeah, he looks he looks like a ridiculous Muppet with with horrible dead eyes. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's He's dead gripe. inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's another gripe. People were like, "Puppet Yoda looked amazing. It looks all right, but it's it's not incredible. It's not perfect. It's yeah. not definitely not perfect. The puppet was really impressive for the time." Everyone was really worried about it because if it were if it were a little bit goofier, the movie would have just failed. <laughs> yeah, it would lose all lose all gravitas. Like it would be a joke. Like just imagine Kermit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just imagine that's, Kermit. That's literally what they were worried about. They're like, "Oh God, he's gonna be Kermit. It's gonna yeah. be terrible." <laughs> um, but basically, how they did that is uh, they got oh who they who did they get to build it? Who, who did you say it was? It wasn't Jim Henson, uh, the the Muppet guy, right? His it may crew? have been Jim Henson. I yeah, don't know. I I don't know anything. I'm just I I'm just guessing. I I just assume because it looked like a Muppet to me. It moved like a Muppet the way it moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was operated. Uh, I mean, it's not quite the same thing. It's operated by uh, I think three or four different people at the same time. There's one person that operates like the body, and one guy that operates like the ears and and arms, and one guy that operates the face, one guy that, oper- that operates the eyes. That's it's extremely complicated, and it's very difficult because the entire Dagobah set, and it's a massive set, was built like ten feet up in the air, or something like that, to allow the puppeteers to sit underneath the set and puppet him. So they had like a radio set up. They had the director sitting off like forty feet away, and they had the puppeting crew underneath, and then Luke, mm. Mark Hamill's up top. The voice of Yoda, who is uh, Frank Oz, is like off to the side. It's extremely hard to hear anything from anywhere. <laughs> so the puppeteers on the bottom are listening their damnedest to hit their marks on a puppet they can't visibly see <laughs> above their heads. <laughs> Kudos to them, though. They did a fantastic job. Yeah, and then Mark Hamill was trying to listen to Frank Oz and to deliver his lines, and then, like, working with his fucking puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole the whole set is filled with, like, tarantulas and stuff. What? And snakes. Like, oh, had, like, like, actual? And, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. There's actual animals. Yeah. And, and snakes and stuff. And then, like, like disgusting still water that they just sat on set for, like, weeks. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, <laughs> it was like some of the crew were like, "Yeah, we're really impressed that we didn't come away with a plague after that shit." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very frightening. Yeah, also I want to go into just back to the Yoda thing because we're we're just talking about Dagobah and everything. I really liked how Yoda was saying that a, a Jedi never uses the Force to attack. You know, just for defense, right? Luke attacks first. You know how Han shot first, right? Greedo and everything. When Luke goes into that little dark force area, he he activates his lightsaber first, 
And he does the same thing when he faces Vader. And I thought that was a neat little touch to show that fear is his greatest enemy. That fear causes him to strike out and attack. And he attacks first. So I think it kind of shows that, you know, Luke is not, he's not a Jedi master yet. He's still growing as a person. And I really like that because that's something subtle. There's nuance to it and it pays off later. It happens first. He fails his test. You know that famous scene where it's Vader and he cuts the head off and it's his own face inside the helmet. And then he does it again at the end where he's fighting Vader. I don't know. I thought it was a nice touch. I thought it was great storytelling. Again, no one is saying anything. It's just visual storytelling. And they build it up a little bit and it pays off again at the end. And yeah, I don't know. This is... Oh man, there's so many good lines in that scene with Yoda and Luke where... Like, you know, Yoda lifted his X-Wing and then Luke's like, I don't believe it. And then Yoda's like, this is why you fail. And I'm like, oh, this is why you fail. Yeah, it's so good. It's all about believing in yourself. It's not even about family. (laughs) You know, we joke about that all the time. It's not about family. It is about family later. It's about believing in yourself. It's such a, there's like positive messages in here or just like realistic messages that are relatable to just the almost every human being and that's why i think these characters are so beloved they represent us and like what we want to be what we strive to be what we struggle with it just represents real life and it's just this there's there's like a like a purity of like the just the simplest most straightforward desires right exactly you you want to be the hero you want to be the good guy it's just it's just it's just basics these are the most basic things Oh, I should mention here quickly, this is not Ian McDermott in Empire. This is a woman, actually. Really? They ADR'd it. They put, like, this massive prosthetic over her and uh, put in, like, crazy eyes into it. But yeah, that's it's only wow. Ian McDermott in the third film, I believe. Oh, he's actually in Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you not know that? He was no. in the original no. I thought he was uh, he was too young for that. <laughs> he was pretty young, but it's like... Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just wearing a prosthetic the whole time, so it's hard to tell. Uh, they bring him back in Rise of Skywalker, right? Uh, I don't know, do they? We can talk I, about it later. Yeah, we can talk about it later. I just, we'll talk I just, about it later. It's weird because the voices, even if they're done by the same person, they sound a little bit off. I... I know they got older, obviously, but it sounds, it doesn't sound as beamy as the prequels. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you know? Do it. Do it. Unlimited power. Unlimited power. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it goes back to the memes. I think the prequels will live on forever just because of the memes. But yeah, like, oh, just that section with Yoda is so, it's so great. And it's just him talking. They're just talking. And so slow, and there's so much development there, and you see into the lives of the characters, and we don't have this in the, the newer trilogy. There's no moment just to sit down and relax. Yeah, it's just Luke and Yoda hanging yeah. out in his little hobbit hut. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, want, I wanted to visit that. <laughs> you know, it looks so homey. I want to eat Yoda's cooking. <laughs> it's a little tiny pot, too. It's so cute. <laughs> it's a little cute little pot. Yeah. <laughs> that's not gonna feed a regular size human i like how yoda's just fucking with him yeah up until that point i love it he, yeah that's another thing i wanted to point out yoda has a great sense of humor he's a troll <laughs> he yeah, looks like a is. troll two of the strongest force users the emperor and yoda are just massive trolls yeah they don't nail that in the prequels he's more he's too serious he's like uh He's too stern. He's got to yeah. be more of a troll. He has to be a troll. Like Mace Windu, you, you wasted Samuel L. Jackson, dude. He could have been like flamboyant and, and like in your face. Just use a gun and a lightsaber. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. It's something about the prequels is weird. Like everyone's dead. Like there's no emotion. I don't know why. Like everyone has no emotion other than Senator Palpatine. That's why he's the hero. And Jar Jar. He's the enemy. The best. Yeah. Jar Jar is the villain and Palpatine is the, the protagonist. <laughs> clearly. 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 I'm going to mention this briefly here because this is approximately where it happens in the film. But this is where the TIE bombers come in. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They're running through the Astro Field. They're trying to flush out the Falcon. 
And they and look like they are bombs, bombing, yes, yes. And they drop down. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna argue. I, I gotta that, mention this here because yeah, so many yeah. people are mad about the fact that they're bombers in The Last Jedi. They drop bombs. He goes, oh, there's no gravity in space. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you people are so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Just go back and watch the Empire Street. It's right here. It's been here for 40 years. <laughs> to be honest, like, you wouldn't really hear sound in space either. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's all yeah. nonsense. I don't know. Yeah, here it is. Look, they're dropping yeah. bombs. There you go. It's like the stupidest thing to pick apart because it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And they're supposed to simulate actual, like, warships. All of the fighting, all of, like, the fighter to fighter stuff. It's literally stolen shot for shot from World War II films. Yeah. Um, I can probably find the film. To mock up, revisit, Lucas literally just cut up old World War II films. Uh, they just replaced planes with X-Wings. And that's it. <laughs> I love X-Wings, by the way. Even though they're stupid. Like the rebel ships that are named after letters. The X-Wings, yeah. the X-wing, A-Wings, and the Y-Wings. Wings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, guys, where's your sense of imagination? I want to fly a Z wing. Let's <laughs> yeah, see what that one looks it? like. I just imagine it's like a weird looking X wing. <laughs> oh, uh, the bombers did look stupid in that they have a little gunner, gunner area at the very bottom of the ship. Uh, it just looks very silly, but yeah, that's not important. Yeah, I mean, again, it's based off, like, old, was it, B-2s that had, like, a gunner pod and all that stuff. The Falcon is, too, to an extent. It's got the ventral gunner position. The more you look at it, the more it doesn't make any sense as to why it's there. Yeah. Because you can't possibly hit anything. (laughs) The ship blocks it on the other end, like, what's below it or above, you know, like, depending where you are. But yeah, also, like, I wanted to point out this thing. C-3PO has been the master of puns. Even in the earlier movies where uh, he gets destroyed in Empire Strikes Back and Chewbacca's piecing him back together and puts his head on backwards and everything. And uh, he, go- he meets R2 and he goes, at least you're still in one piece. Look what happened to me. <laughs> like, oh, nice fun. Not as good as Revenge of the Sith or Attack of the Clones. Yeah, Attack of the Clones. But uh, you're getting there, 3PO. You're getting there. The droids are used a lot for the levity of this film. There's not a lot of, not a lot of jokes. There's there's some decent humor coming from Yoda, three uh, PO, R two D two. Yeah, and also I like how they don't break the scenes as much as they did in the prequels, where it's supposed to have, it's supposed to be serious, but they just completely ruin it. Whereas I I still can't figure out why it is in the original trilogy that. They don't break the scenes as much. I don't think they're as silly. It's shorter too. But like, I don't know. Just everything falls together better. I don't know why. Even though C-3PO is incredibly silly, it doesn't break the scenes as much for me. I think they just don't use them as much. They don't, they don't lean on them as much as True. they do in the prequels. This whole training montage. It's great. Wonderful. Mark Hamill wearing his, his Yoda backpack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love how Yoda's just on his on his back because he's too can't be bothered to walk. <laughs> I bet that training regiment isn't even real. He's just messing with him. <laughs> it's like, what's the point of this training? There is no point. <laughs> yeah, there's no point. I'm just, I just wanted to make you run around like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of walking everywhere. <laughs> it feels nice. I got short legs. It takes me forever to get anywhere. <laughs> I'm 900 uh, years old. Oh, man. I really don't like how they referenced this in Rise of Skywalker because it was even more pointless. We can get into that later, but yeah, it had no meaning. It was a nice opportunity for them to develop the relationship between Rey and Leia. I mean, I understand because she's gone and they're using archival footage plus whatever CGI trickery, but like they could have developed that relationship and made them more endearing to us as characters. Instead, it's just something flashy for us to watch. And just to show that Ray is super powerful again for no reason. So. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. You just gotta crank it up. Every yeah, single time you have new movies, you gotta crank up the force powers, crank up the stakes. 
How about a million dust stars? Ooh. Yeah, ooh, look, you got five planets being destroyed at the same time. Wow. It's like a mega, mega, mega dust star. Ooh. Ooh, we have a hundred star destroyers, and each of them have a mini dust star cannon, and they can each destroy a planet. <laughs> but for some reason, they can't take off of this planet without a beacon because they don't know which way is up. <laughs> Oh wait, we gotta talk about that later. Yeah, but like, I'm I'm just saying this because I I want to get to know Ray and Leia better as characters, and that was a really good opportunity for them to establish the relationship they had and everything, which they do in Empire here, which is why I really like this movie because it's about it's about characters. It's not even about family half the time. It's just about individuals. Yoda is incredibly endearing. He's such a troll. <laughs> He really cares, though. He really cares. And even, I, I still remember when he wanted to, like, reject Luke from training him because he was too old and he didn't want to repeat what happened to Anakin. And, you know, like, Obi-Wan's talking him down. It's like, I, I was like this when I, you know, I was his age and all of that. And it just shows that not everyone's perfect. And, like, you get to see their characters. You get to see how, you can imagine how they would act. And I think, this is why it's really hard for the newer movies to break out of the shadow of the original trilogy is that they develop these characters so well that most people, I mean, they could be wrong, you know, but like they project what they want the characters to be because it left such a strong imprint on them and that's not what they show in the newer trilogies. You know, people are going to complain and get angry. <laughs> Also, I would like to know, Barry, that uh, uh, Qui-Gon did not ch- train Obi-Wan. It was Yoda, according to Empire Strikes Back. They trained Obi-Wan? Yeah, Yoda, Yoda trained Obi-Wan. Uh, Yoda and Count Dooku. Yeah, I mean, according to the prequels, but according to the original trilogy, Obi-Wan had one teacher, and it was Yoda. Yeah, yeah. well... <sighs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I understand it's probably because of budget, and uh, they're like, it just makes more sense to have Yoda teach everyone, <laughs> you know. Whatever. It, it don't matter. It don't matter. It I'm just, matter. I'm just poking fun at the people who like the prequels, because I think you're making a terrible mistake when you say the prequels are better than the newer trilogy. They just aren't. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if people like it. All right. Like I saw. I don't know if it's real or not, because, you know, you could fake stuff on the internet so easily. There was a tweet I saw on Reddit where someone was so pissed that a kid liked Rise of Skywalker, the new trilogy, that he's like, I would have punched this guy, but he was a minor. Thank God he was a minor. Otherwise, I would have whooped his ass. And I was like, dude, let people enjoy what they want. Like, if people tell me they like the prequels, I'm not going to correct them or anything, because, like... like, if they like it, they like it, and more power to them. And if they told me that, you know, it had great writing, I'm going to be like, I disagree with that, <laughs> but I'm I not going to argue I'd probably walk them. up to their parents and be like, you should probably have your child checked out for mental disabilities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too, but like, you know, like, at the end of, end of the day, it's about having fun and enjoying it, and if you don't like it, you don't like it, but like, why do you go to the extent of, like everyone has to hate it just because you hate it that i don't understand like it doesn't make sense to me if somebody doesn't hate it as well like they're attacking your personal definition of being a human being i I hate it therefore everyone else must hate it you know who acted like that weineken i hate you (laughs) i hate you not just the man the woman (laughs) and the children too you're basically the Sith <laughs> if you act like that. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how kind of like coldly efficient the Empire was. Yeah. Everyone's like a British officer. The Empire is, is really scary. Not because like they're all powerful, but because they constantly fuck up and yet are still an effective fighting force. With all these terrible ideas. Like the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, like instead of building yeah. like a million more fleets, we just build a big ball <laughs> that just blows up a planet. 
And then they build a second one. <laughs> they just build a bigger one. They gotta stop. Well, the first one failed miserably. What should yeah. we do? I know, build another one, but bigger. <laughs> but bigger. And then Force Awakens, they build it into a planet. <laughs> it's so like, guys, when are you going to stop? Palpatine had the right idea, though, Rise of Skywalker. Thousands of ships with little, little Death Star cannons. That's the way to go. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. See, Palpatine is the true Apparently hero. they're made out of, like, paper mache, but yeah, it's still pretty terrifying. <laughs> you just look at it and they'd blow up. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, Billy D. Williams, he's great. Lando. Lando Calrissian. Mike, he's so classy. <laughs> he's just, just so smooth. The smoothest. <laughs> smoothest, like silk. It was so sad seeing him in Rise of Skywalker. I actually yeah. felt really bad. He's so old. <laughs> he got old. He's so old and, like, clearly, you know, old. Yeah. I think, I mean, every shot of him is ba- is either of him standing still or sitting down. Uh, similar to Leia, because they're old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how everyone's going to be. I think it's something to think about. Is, yeah. It's unfortunate, but it, it was just like, oh, poor Lando. And then he's just we'll 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 talk about it. We'll, yeah, we'll talk, talk about, about it later. There's so much to talk about. The There's so trilogy, much to talk yeah. about. As far as Empire Strikes Back, uh, yeah, it's great. I like that it doesn't end like the, the like the third act isn't like a miserable mess of action. Like there's still action, but it's like it's very focused. It ends on that legendary lightsaber duel. That even though oh. the choreography is still a little bit stiff. Yep. It's just so exciting. You know, it is. Oh my gosh, it's Darth Vader versus our hero. And he's getting smashed. Oh, but he's fighting back. He that's why... Uh, yeah, Barry, that's why it's so good. Because it's not about the actual choreography and like how fast they're moving or like how exciting it is. It's because it's two of your characters that you like and they're fighting each other. And you're, you're invested in whether they win or not. That's why it's so exciting. It's not about the actual action itself. It's about the characters. And this is literally about family. <laughs> Father and son. Oh, the, and that infamous moment, because Vader's voice is 80 yard, Mark was the only person on set that knew the, what the actual line was going to be. Oh, really? Yeah, they passed him his special copy of the script. They took it to the side. They're like, okay, here's the line that he's going to read. But here's the actual line, and you're not allowed to tell anyone wow. until the movie releases. So wow. They him, so they <sighs> give him the script, and he's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> is this a joke? They're like, no, this is the real line. And like The line that Vader says uh, that David Prowse said was, no, I killed your father. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> and, and Mark is like, no! No, that's impossible. <laughs> and the crew was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Over overreact much? <laughs> yeah, and then the movie came out, and like the whole cast is like, "Wait a minute! <laughs> Wait a minute! I didn't know about this. Did you?" He's like, "Uh, well, you son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Everyone was so mad at Mark. They're like, I can't believe you didn't tell us. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. Uh, kudos to him for not not spoiling it. He is a professional. I was going to say, though, I was thinking of this joke where, you know, he's hanging on for dear life and he's losing his grip. And I was like, looks like he needs a hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, I wish they put that line in somewhere. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really like that fight because it's about Luke's internal struggle. Uh, Vader also is very conflicted because he clearly doesn't want to kill Luke. He wants his son alive, and I think the person playing Vader did a great job of emoting with just like his head movements and everything. <laughs> Because when he's gone, there's a scene where Vader looks very sad, <laughs> you know? He's just looking off into the camera, and I'm like, oh, no, Vader's sad. I feel bad for him a little bit. 
Uh, I mean, he did just chop his son's hand off, and and uh, you know, he's like, "Come with me, son." And Luke's like, "No, Dad," and just jumps off. And it's like, "I'd rather die." Yeah, and Vader's like, yeah. so defiant to the very end. Yeah, like, choose, come with me or die. I pick death. Yeah, I pick death. It's like, nope. <laughs> <I pick death. laughs> Eat. <laughs> Eat. Uh, which version of this did you watch? Did you watch the version where? George Lucas added in like this long, terrible scream when when uh, Mark Hamill jumps off. Oh no, I watched the specialized versions. Uh, I have the VHS versions, but you know I don't want to bring out my VHS player and hook it up to my tube TV. So I just try to find the specialized version, which is like the people took the DVD editions and they cut out all the special stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and if they can't replace it with the original content if they needed to. And yeah, I did not hear that, so that would have broke it for me if Luke Yeah, it's w- so w- dumb. Wilhelm? <laughs> yeah, no, it, oh it's worse. It's just like yeah. <laughs> like the whole way. <laughs> Why? This is so dumb. Why would you do that? I don't know. It's terrible. And then they re edit it. He actually re edits it back out. Really? Uh, for a different version. That's Maybe hilarious. Like, like, yeah, I guess it was kind of dumb. That <laughs> 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 dumb scream aside, I like how Luke doesn't succumb, succumb to the dark side at all at the end. It kind of shows growth. You know, like he didn't feel like Yoda said uh, that he would and all of that. He he stayed strong because it's all about family. <laughs> It's about family. It's about family. He likes his dad. He believes that there's good in him. Uh, this is parallel to Ray uh, saying that there's good in Kylo, uh, but they don't really play that as well. And, you know, believing in his sister, Han, Chewie, all of that. I liked it. Enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess if there's not much more to talk about, we can go to closing thoughts. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, this this movie is everything that you love about Star Wars, but with like a little bit bigger bigger budget. It doesn't get big enough to to where they can start doing dumb stuff. They they still can't waste money, but <laughs> doing dumb stuff. But it's wonderful. There's so many great set pieces. The design work is always great. John Williams, as always, delivers an epic score. And really, you just get to spend so much time with these characters. That it's just it's just great. Yeah. And it leaves... It was a really bold choice at the time because it leaves all of our heroes in a really crap place at the end. (laughs) It does. Han and Carbonite. Han and Carbonite, you know, uh, Luke has just got his hand lopped off and they're like, oh my God, he's my dad. (laughs) Oh gosh. It's just just insane. Uh, Lots of brave choices, interesting storytelling. Um... And it's it's a classic movie that you know some of it does it doesn't look gr- amazing anymore, but it still looks quite good. It does, yeah. It looks it looks, still looks great, and yeah, coming back to it, it just reaffirms my love for Star Wars that was recently murdered. <laughs> <laughs> it's been oh. brought back to life, <laughs> and then killed again. Then <laughs> <laughs> killed again. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, score wise. I'm kind. Of, I kind of want to give this ten Suicide Squads. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I can see that. There's not. There's not much to really complain about, is there? Uh, I'm trying to think of something that stuck out. Not really. Just minor nitpicks here and there. But yeah, it's just like, uh, and this was the one that was least affected by dumb special editions shit. I think. So yeah, you know what? I'm gonna yeah. give it ten Suicide Squads. All this, right. this movie right. is masterpiece. Yeah, I definitely agree. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I totally love this film. I think it's a film that focuses on characters. It just goes to show that, you know, if I wanted a movie that was that looked great and had a lot of action versus like awesome characters and a story that it was solid, uh, I'm gonna go with the characters and story every single time because. If you if you're gonna make it action heavy, it has to be perfect. Like it has to be John Wick levels of of awesomeness, which they're not gonna accomplish. So, 
yeah, like it's all about characters. It's about family, but not all about family in all the parts, which is why it's great. You know, like it's all about family thing is overplayed so much, and it's more about like the individual and your internal struggle and how how you're gonna get past it and grow as a person. But yeah, I, there there's just too much to say about this film. I really liked it. I'm gonna give it a ten, a ten as well, because I think it is near perfection for a film. Uh, it has everything that I like. It's 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 sci-fi, but it's not sci-fi. It's about the characters. It just has a sci-fi wrapping, which is, I think, the best sci-fi. Because if it was accurate science fiction, I think I would find it kind of boring. <laughs> well, if you want hard yeah. science fiction, go watch 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, that I remember that movie. That's boring. <laughs> It's so boring. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a bad. It's not a bad movie. I'm just saying it's boring. Oh, that's wonderfully boring. Yeah, it's wonderfully boring. That's a good way to put it. All right. Uh, anything else you want to throw in before we we end here? Isaiah's a butt. Yeah, Isaiah's a butt. <laughs> Delayed our entire podcast. Thanks, Isaiah. Uh, on that note, uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy Hanukkah. Crazy Kwanzaa Festivus or the rest of us. And catch you guys next time. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings are we. Not this crude matter. <laughs> <laughs>